Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello to you today. Hope you're doing well, growing in God's grace, receiving all that the Lord has for you. I mean, all of it every big and every little thing that he has for you, and living your life as a blessing to others, like encouraging them as you live your everyday walking around life, that you're just living for Jesus on a continual basis. You know, really, isn't that what it actually means to be living the dream? If I were going to describe the quote unquote good life, living the dream, I would describe it as just that, growing in the grace of God, receiving everything that he has for you, and then just giving freely to others. Because as Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So that would be my prayer for you today, that you get all of it from the Lord and you give and give and give. Because when we give, we actually never end up fully depleted. Not when we're giving the way the Lord wants us to give. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. If you know, you know. And hey, just in case nobody has told you this today, you are pretty doggone fantastic. God put you in this world intentionally. He loves you so very much and you are incredibly valuable to him. You're pretty fantastic and I just want you to know that today. You know, that makes you like one in a million, one in a zillion, one in a billion, one in a bazillion. I'm so, so thankful for you. And thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. You know what? Let's dig in. Let's grab a hold of a promise from the Bible and find out what God has for us today. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing on the Edify app. This is episode number 136. So in the New Testament, there is this incredible, amazing, it's really just a profound book, this book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews. It's like winner, winner, chicken dinner kind of a portion of the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it grows me up whenever I read it. It encourages me. It emboldens me. It increases my love for others, which is a good thing. And it grows my heart in the things of the Lord. Like I have a softer, more tender heart toward the Lord. Also a very good thing. It disciplines me, the book of Hebrews. Another good thing, maybe not my favorite thing, but a good thing. It unites me more and more to the body of Christ, like the big C global church, the church that has been in existence since all the way back, think back to Acts, you know, Jesus's ascension, the New Testament book of Acts, like the big C church, it unites me as a part of the body of Christ, which is incredibly important. It's it's just really powerful. And so a powerful book of the Bible, and really every bit of the Bible is powerful, but any powerful portion of the Bible is worth taking the time to read, to study, and of course, to believe. Why read it? Why study it if we're not going to actually choose to believe it? When we read our Bibles, 
I hope that we end our time in God's word believing him more than we did before we started reading. Like that ought to be happening every single day when we open up our Bibles. I really do actually mean this. I am 0% kidding, not kidding at all. I'm not just speaking in fluffy platitudes or, you know, these aren't just words. This is serious. I really mean this. Believe that what God has said in the Bible is exactly what he means because it is. He meant it and he still means it. So our job is to believe, to do the work of believing. And you know what? When we do that work of believing, things change. Potentially, everything changes. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And I'm going to read from the Amplified, first of all. Here's what it says. Hebrews 10, 23, Amplified. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and faithful and trustworthy to his word. All right, the King James, I'm going to read that. The King James reads this way, Hebrews 10, 23, King James Version, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Okay, so this is a verse to get excited about. It really is. Like, you know, I can stand on this one. You and I, we should be standing on the word of God. We can stand on this particular portion of the word of God, and it is firm. It is solid. It's going to hold up under whatever pressure, whatever might be pressing down on me. It doesn't matter because it can't crumble the word of God. So no matter how heavy I feel with the burdens on me, I can stand on this firm, solid word of God. No matter what is pushing on me, it can't push the word of God into like ineffectiveness. It's not possible. So all I have to do is just what it says. Like if I boil it down to its most, you know, if you cook very much, if you ever made a base, you boil it down to a base. All I have to do is just what it says. And the base of this is hold fast, seize it and hold tightly to the profession of our faith. Hang on the confession of our hope. Look, we need to be verbal, like actually vocal about the Lord. Did you know that? Now, I'm not talking right now about evangelizing, and I'm, that's, that's important. That's part of the Great Commission. Jesus told us to do it. We need to do that. And I'm not really talking about ranting or getting on a soapbox. I'm not, I'm not talking about like your social media presence. That's not really what I'm talking about right now when I'm thinking of being verbal and vocal about the Lord. I'm, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that at times, maybe like often, a lot of the time, you may need to remind yourself, say out loud to yourself and say out loud to the devil. You have an enemy, Satan. Say it out loud to your little dog who's sleeping at your feet. Say out loud that you are holding tightly. You are holding fast. Jan, you holding tightly today? Yes, I am. You holding fast today, Jan? Oh, you better believe I am. Yes, I am. Say it out loud. Say out loud that you trust the Lord. I trust the Lord that you know his word is true. I know God's word is true, that his promises are for you. God's promises are for me right now. And I'm actually practicing what I preach here and saying it out loud to myself. Say out loud that the hope you have in him is not misplaced, that it is sure, it is certain, and it is rock solid. Guess what, Jan? The hope you have in the Lord, it is not misplaced, not at all. It is sure and certain and rock solid. And you know what happens? You won't be moved from your belief. It's hard to move somebody who really believes something, who really believes something. It's really hard to move them. 
Sometimes we need to say this kind of stuff, this truth to ourselves out loud. Maybe we even need to say it to ourselves with our outside voices. What about you? Do you need to say it out loud today? I said it to myself. Do you need to say it to yourself? Remind the devil of this verse of Hebrews 10, 23. Remind him of what it says. He will not. He cannot win. The end game, it's already finished. And spoiler alert, Jesus takes it all. Isn't that really great news? Like such great news. So seize it. Take hold of it. Hold fast. Hold tightly and do it without wavering. You don't you don't hope and hope. You know what I mean? You don't hope and hope. You hope in God. You do not hope in circumstances or the bank account balance, the state of the union or the state of the world. You don't hope that there aren't Russian nuclear submarines XYZ. You don't hope that maybe somehow this uh, you know, this this scenario that's going down at work that it's I'm just gonna be hope I'm just hoping it's go no, you hope in God. You hope in God, you hope in the Lord. Jesus did not remain in the grave. He's not there. My friend, he is not there. He is risen just as he said that he would be. That's the one in whom you hope. The one who conquered the grave, that's who you hope in. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And that is why we hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. And use my outside voice when I say those two words. Sam, one more time, without wavering. Because he who promised is faithful. You know, I've said this before, but it's true. It's a great reminder. So I'm going to say it again. God is faithful and he cannot ever for a single solitary moment be unfaithful. He can't be. He can't be. The Lord won't just, oops, oops, uh, sorry, uh, I accidentally was only partially faithful today. Doesn't work that way. He is always going to do what his word promises. Do not waver in your belief on this point. The place where you where you let your faith roots sink down and grow, the, the place where you put down those roots, your faith roots, that matters. That matters. If that place is, you know, your faith is in the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, If your faith is in Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, then you have good roots. You have a good root system there. You're going to be like a tree planted by streams of water. You're going to bear fruit in season and out of season. You'll be stable. You'll be rooted, well-rooted, and you're going to grow stronger, even during the storms that life brings. Not weaker, stronger. You have the living water replenishing you. Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. He holds the very keys to life. As Peter said, you hold the keys to life. To whom else would we go? That's right. Peter had it right. You know, I mean, oh my goodness. Does that not like, like wake you up like cold water in your face? If you've been kind of living in a slumber and a stupor type of a state, thinking about what Peter said, Jesus, you hold the key. You're it. Where else are we going to go? You and I, we don't, once you know Jesus, you don't have another place to go. There's no back door. There's no easy way out because you know that the truth is there's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else that holds any meaning or has any real value compared to Jesus, right? So you have King Jesus, you have good roots. You're going to be like the tree planted by streams of water. You're going to get stronger, not weaker. You have the living water to nourish you. Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. Your future is secure. He holds the very keys to life. So today is secure. You have what you need, all that you need for all time and eternity. 
so long as you have Jesus. This is big, bold kind of stuff I'm talking about here, but I really do live a life in a state of belief. I chronically believe this. I chronically believe that what God's word says is absolutely true. If I look like a fool, I do not care because I know my Jesus. I know the personal experience I've had with him. And I know that maybe to the world's eyes, sometimes it might look a little bit foolish or a whole lot foolish, but I know the one in whom I've put my hope. It's secure and I'm secure. I've got good things coming and I also have to choose to believe, even with the current condition of the world in which we live, I still can hope for good things in this life because I have Jesus and Jesus has hold of me. So hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering. Like make no provision for the flesh and leave no wiggle room. When the Lord returns, he's going to have two names written on him. This is what it says in the book of Revelation. And those names are faithful and true. Capital F on faithful, capital T on true. Faithful, true. Wow, think about that. Those are his names. And his names tell us that he is faithful and that he is true. You're an excellent hand, so you have no need to waver. When the one whose names are faithful and true is your Lord, man, you have no need to waver. Isn't that great news? When when the gospel is, is referred to as the good news in the New Testament, that is like the understatement of a lifetime. It's the best news. Good news is like just the tip of the iceberg because it's good news on day one and it's just as good a news in that moment when you're on your deathbed about to step into his presence. It's such good news. Those last few words of of the verse, Hebrews 10, 23, it says, for he who promised is faithful. Those are really important words. You probably heard that phrase many, many times. If you've been running around in church circles for very long, you've heard that for he who promises faithful. And you know, you can you can take that to the bank and that's a check that will always cash because it comes straight from the word of God. It's right here in Hebrews 10, 23. For he, and he, capital H there, he being God, for he who promised is faithful, is. Right now he is faithful. Tomorrow also will be totally faithful. And so on and so on and so on. His faithfulness will not wear out. It will not dry up and blow away. It does not expire. Nothing like that. He is faithful, and so he will keep on being what he is, faithful. God's faithfulness remains. That is so incredibly comforting. God's faithfulness remains. It stays. It never recedes. It just simply is. Breathe easy today. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. That's your promise. Your promise is from the one who promised. He who promised is faithful. That's your promise. And it's pretty critical to remember this truth today. Like critical, I don't think that's the wrong word to use here. Critical. Like if you're in critical condition, think of what, what comes to mind when you hear that word critical. I have a feeling that some of you listening are facing some stuff that's not good, not fun, might be a little bit icky, might be just you feel like you're walking through hell on earth. This is a promise for you. He who promised is faithful. It might be so painful it's hard to even inhale and take the next breath. You know? You know what I mean? You've been there, you've done that. You might be just awash in the most difficult situation you've ever walked through in your life. That's okay. You take this breath in. He who promised is faithful. 
you exhale. The next breath, he who promised, he's still faithful. Your job is simply to seize hold tightly of the confession of your faith and not to waver. Just make up your mind. I'm not going to waver on this. If you look in the mirror and your eyes are blue, my eyes are blue, I'm not going to waver and go, I think tomorrow they're going to be brown. No, they're not going to be. They're going to be blue. I'm not going to waver on that because I know that the truth is I have blue eyes. This is the way I want you to grab hold of this promise and not waver. The same way you know what color your eyes are is the same way you can know that God's promises are true. He who promised is faithful. Do you remember what it was like by chance? Like those early moments, maybe even remember the exact moment when the Lord got a hold of your heart, when the Holy Spirit just touched you and you knew this was the time for you to give your life to Jesus. When you first realized how much Jesus loves you, you know, like he, that you understood that he died for you. He died for the, for the world. Yes, but he died for you. That moment when you realized that, that, that he was holding out forgiveness and eternal life to you. Like that moment that you went all in with Jesus because you realized and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he went all out for you. He died to give you life, real life, abundant life, eternal life. Remember what it was like when you just so clearly understood and to know that this was yours, this love that God had for you. Don't let this moment today pass you by without remembering what it was like. Like actually remembering what it was like when you first realized how much God loved you. Because that right there, that's the confession of your faith that you need to hold tightly to. Seize it anew today if you need to. Hold on for dear life. Let times of refreshing come from the Lord. Ask him to fill you today with overwhelming peace and joy. And just simply believe that his will for you, that it's good, that it's really, really good. And then rest in him. You know, right Right in those hard places of your life, you actually can find rest. God has rest for you. You are allowed to rest. Did you know that? That you're allowed to rest? Yep, he has things for you to do. He has king there's kingdom work that needs to be done. Absolutely. There are people that need to know Jesus loves them for sure. He wants you to love people. He wants you to go to your job and work well, work as unto the Lord for sure. And he also has rest and peace peace for your heart and your mind. That is also true for sure. Some of you need to know that the Lord has given you permission to rest and that you can actually even enjoy that rest. Think about what Jesus said about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. I think it's verses 24 through 28. That The Sabbath was made for man, right? I mean, not man for the Sabbath. We don't serve the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath to bless us. You're allowed to actually rest. And taking a day of rest, that's something that we find in both the Old and the New Testaments. And where both portions of the Bible say something is good for us, it's good for us. We just have to accept that it is. Do what's good for you. Do what Jesus told you to do. Obey him because you love him. Rest. Have a weekly time of Sabbath rest. This is a big change for some of us. You know, but listen, I, I, I get that. I was raised by a mother who was, she was a worker, I guess a workaholic, it probably would be an accurate description of her. Growing up, there were a lot of years, like a lot of years in a row, like, you know, 1980-whatever, 1980-whatever, 1980-what, just in a row, 82, 83, 84, 85, a lot of years in a row when mom only had one day off a year, and that was Christmas Day. 
I'm really not exaggerating at all, not even the tiniest bit when I say my mom worked 80 to 100 hours a week, every single week, week after week. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of working. She lived on a few hours of sleep each day for literally decades. Work was obviously a huge focal point in my family as I was growing up. With her working those kinds of hours, work was a huge part of the entire family life, right? Not a lot of recreation. Basically, no vacations ever. Mom's recreation was something like, you know, sometimes gardening. And gardening, a big garden, that's a lot of work too. So even her downtime would be work. Resting was really hard for her. And so her children, the six of us, we have each been workers to some extent. But, you know, for me, I got literally sidelined, put on the sideline when these heart problem issues and the heart failure diagnosis, when that all came about. Uh, you know, I st- and still, I did far more than I should have because I really did just keep going and going. Um, and it did eventually get to where I paid a very steep price. My recovery time from like, midweek into rolling into my next things I had to do on the weekend, it got longer and longer. Like it would get to where it was like, okay, from Thursday on, I literally am like, okay, I'm barely dragging by Sunday morning. And then, okay, by Sunday night, if it was a long Sunday with a lot to do, I'm barely getting it back together again for Wednesday morning when the next things that I have to do would, would kind of come online, be on the calendar. I had to do them. There are still times that I will realize, oh, it's a Wednesday. And I will have like a, a sense of the same kind of like a, it's not really a panic feeling, but like the stress of, I don't know that I have the energy to do this and I have to do this. And I've got to dig down deep and make myself do what basically is impossible to do. And, uh, oh man, look at that. I'm stuck having an SVT, a supraventricular tachycardia episode. Yeehaw. This is great. Like, I mean, I have that same feeling that'll come over me, even though I haven't lived at that pace in several years. So it was not good for me. I think I want to say that as a warning to you. If maybe you need to just give yourself permission to take a weekly Sabbath day of rest, please, please do that. Now, I will also say I live believing God's promises. I've been told by cardiologists and electrophysiologists that I should be unable to really get out of bed. I've never had a single day where I have not been able to get out of bed. That has not happened, not one time. I don't think I've even had a day where I've been in bed till nine o'clock in the morning. Like really, like it doesn't even, I mean, or or really eight. And that would be if I'm up late, if my kids are home and everybody's talking and catching up and I'm up late, then I'm you know, it's like, you know how it is when you get older, six o'clock, you're just out of bed, right? So even on my worst day, when I'm like super zonked with my heart, I'm out of bed by eight o'clock. Okay, that's because I believe God's promises and they're true for me. But that doesn't mean I should never take a Sabbath rest. Don't get to that point that I got to. Don't live your life only and always as a workaholic. Believe God's promises. Absolutely. Seek him for healing if you need it. Absolutely. Pray and ask and keep asking. Seek and keep on seeking, right? Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. But if you hit a point where you're forced to slow down physically, that's not good and that's not fun. I would much, much rather you take a break just because you say the Lord said to do this than get too worn out and uh, kind of get sidelined the way I did. And there are days that I still struggle with not being able to do what I want to do. I get upset. I want to find a way to be able to do what I used to be able to do. Man, just if I could just like 
I almost wish I could force myself into a different state of mind. Like, okay, just get, just get it in gear. This isn't a state of mind thing. And I know that, but because I don't like it, sometimes I default to trying to talk myself into feeling better than I am. And again, that's not the same thing as living in a state of believing God's promises. I do believe them completely, but I've also learned I can't go beyond what I can do. If I'm having an SVT attack, I can't just keep going. I literally have to slow down and stop. How does that encourage you to maybe take a break when God's telling you to take a break? Because you might have people around you, coworkers, a boss, you know, even um, whatever, I don't know, teenagers in your life that, that they have all the energy in the world and they don't understand why you don't. You might have people around you who don't understand why you need rest. You don't need to try and force God's hand. You just need to trust him that if he's calling you to a sabbatical rest, take the rest, take the rest. And the attitude of like, I want to white knuckle this and get it done. Uh, You know, eh, you don't improve your life by shaking your fist at God. You don't improve your life by doing more than or other things than what he has called you to do. You improve your life by living the way he wants you to live. He has things for you to do, and there are things you may be doing that are not things he has for you to do. You can set those aside. You can set down the burden. My husband talks about Pilgrim's Progress. It's like his favorite book. Um, We actually, my kids found him in like a vintage, um, and I'm talking vintage, like super hundreds of years old copy of Pilgrim's Progress that is super duper cool. It, like he loves, it's it's a very encouraging book for him. And there's a point where uh, Pilgrim has to put down the burden. You can do that. You can put down the burden. Take a sabbatical rest. Rest when you need to. And receive from the Lord. You know, Sabbath rest doesn't have to just be taking a nap chilling out bird watching on your porch for a couple of hours. It's, it's about God giving you rest because you can do those things and be like antsy on the inside. Like, huh. it's not talking about like, if you are a person who needs to move like a kinesthetic type learner, if you're trying to make yourself sit perfectly still, that's not going to be restful for you. It's about God giving you rest, not torturing you. When you're a worker, that kind of slow down, that kind of rest and just be with the Lord, just receive from him. Uh, It can be hard to actually relax. I want to encourage you to train yourself the way you've trained yourself in a million other areas of your life to just do it. You get up when the alarm clock goes off. You take the trash down to the curb the night before, you know, the trash days in the morning. There are things you've trained yourself to do. Train yourself to just rest, be still, know that he is God, and actually take a Sabbath rest so he can refresh you. Practice it, even though it's hard. It's good for you. I promise it is. And also, um, you know, don't, I'll just say it one more time. If he's calling you to once a week have a Sabbath rest, please do it and don't force a slowdown. It's not fun. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, and I'm not saying that my heart stuff came from God. I am saying I definitely have seen things through it where I had a lot of trouble Sabbath resting. And now I'm much better at it. And you know what? Uh, I'm better off for it because I'm closer in my walk with the Lord as a result of that. You know, take the Sabbath rest. Hold tightly to the profession of your faith. And the two do go together. When you spend more time in his presence, receiving from him, just like soaking in his love, you're going to really be able to go back into your work week or whatever hard situation there is, holding even more tightly to the profession of your faith because you know 
that he who promised is faithful. And you know it in a way that you didn't know it before you had that Sabbath rest time. God wants you to actually really recharge. And he has a way that will recharge you. Pray and ask him, God, what's the the ideal Sabbath for me, the way that you created me? And he will show you what to do. He absolutely will. He'll show you how to rest. And he will pour out his love on you in those Sabbath rest times. God has that for you. And if God has it for you and God wants it for you, trust him enough to just receive it from him, knowing that it is for your good and also for his glory. How can I say that for sure? I don't know, maybe what Hebrews 10.23 says, because he who promised is reliable and faithful and trustworthy. I hope you walk today in more and more of the love of the Lord than you did yesterday or the day before that. Because the love God has for you, it's so deep, so wide, so high, so vast. You're never really fully going to understand it in this life, this side of heaven. But my prayer is that today you understand it as much as you can and that tomorrow you get like a whole new revelation and just wave of God's love and it just keeps on happening on the daily. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Um, And hey, don't forget, if God is for you and he is for you, then who can be against you? That is a rhetorical question. The truth is, if God's for you, Nobody, nobody can really be effective and against you. All right, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.